Rumor has it there is a secret base hidden underneath the Archelaus. So have you ever been in a spaceship? Don't try this at home. Secrets of Area 51 Reveal. I'm from Series A, not Series B. Who are you, huh? Yeah, hey, Mama. It's time to open your eyes, open your mind, and shift your paradigm. You're tuned in to another episode of All Night with the Living Geeks, a podcast in which we investigate and discuss high strangeness in the weird world in which we live. I'm your host, Taylor, and across the virtual desk from me tonight is my brother, Seb. Seb, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I gotta say that I'm really excited. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and neighbors, all of our friends in the podcast world, I'd like to wish my brother, Taylor, a happy birthday, sir. Aww, happy thank birthday you. Happy birthday to my favorite sibling of all times. I Also, <laughs> your only sibling. But that's, you know, I'm cool with that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, welcome to a new year of life. How, how was, uh, what, 47 looking? Yeah. <laughs> hi, <laughs> hi, late 40s. How are you doing? <laughs> Be good to me, please. Um, no, 40, 47 is good. Cool. Um, you know, we are recording, given our scheduling and the shape of the month, we are uh, just past the middle point of uh, September, mm. at which point my birthday does land. So it was cool to see you last weekend, my boy. Heck yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I'm... I'm this is going to be, I know we're not a surfing podcast, but this is going to be the year that I surf. What? Are you serious? Um, I'm, I am determined. I, I am working fairly diligently. I can't even say mostly diligently right now. Sorry, but fairly diligently to kind of just get in better shape and, um, you know, drop some pounds and get myself into a position where I can either, I mean, ideally go out with lessons and you know finally get up on a board and and surf that that is my goal that is my motivation right now if you did that could, would you want to do it in private or could i be there cuz if i if i could be there i would love to be there but i would want to come dressed as the fat shirtless guy from back to the beach <laughs> and cheer you on <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, I know exactly who you're talking about too. Um, boy, go, ladies and gentlemen, go back and find our previous podcast, If Memory Serves, where we have a like a, a commentary track for the 1987 film Back to the Beach, um, which is a fantastic film. You know, don't get me wrong. Um, I, like I'm, I'm fine with it. Awesome. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. I still need to get a wetsuit. I mean, right. <clears throat> um, the only thing that the only other thing that I have right now is a little bit of post nasal drip, so I've kind of got my mm. my 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 radio voice going on. <laughs> I like West it. of the Rockies. You're on the on the air. <laughs> on the, I can't even get the words right. See, it's a wild card, wild card line. Yep, yep. Ah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Me clearing my throat is going to be our wild card line tonight. Oh, Anywho, oh jeez, good heavens. Yeah, it, uh, things are going well. I know this is our October episode and yeah. we're talking about mid-September things, but oh, such is life when you have to schedule podcast recordings. Such is life. But I've been so, dying to ask you, what yes. what is new in your weird? Oh, well, I mean, there hasn't been a whole bunch of like 
you know, genuinely weird stuff going on. But it is worth mentioning that uh, the uh, New Kirk's new documentary, The Unbinding, is out. Oh, yes. Yes. I have seen it. Me too. Um, it's so good. Very good. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, you know, uh, familiar faces, but certainly, um, you know, a different vibe than, say, Hellier. Yes, definitely. Um, at least in terms of, you know, much of the content. Obviously, the visuals were still done by Carl Pfeiffer. Even some of the music was done by Anthony Sistone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's not too far removed. It's in. It's obviously it's in the same um, same vein in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but as um, a haunted object of theirs that I've heard quite a bit about just because you know being a museum member you get to see a lot of the live streams and and uh discussions on these things um it was it was neat to start getting new information mm. and um you know getting kind of how they uh piece together mm-hmm. uh kind of the history of this object um and it's and its greater meaning and stuff and and even just um the 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 meaning to them kind of the the personal transformation to them mm-hmm. um of having this object uh in their lives was was really kind of moving mm-hmm. and and really really cool so yeah it's it's definitely um i would say it's worth the purchase i mean it's only 10 bucks yeah um you know but if 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 you're not sure and you just want to be like eh, i don't know that i'm going to watch it a bunch of times so maybe i just want to watch it once that's fine rent it you can totally rent it um it's out on the uh, it's, you know all, all the major streaming platforms apple and and youtube and amazon and all that so we definitely give it two thumbs up for sure yeah most definitely, most definitely, two thumbs up. What about you, Seb? Y'all, all your note says is Seb got spooked. I got really spooked, and seeing, how'd you get spooked? Well, you know, uh, I guess this is coming out in October, so I guess this is kind of a spooky story for October. Man, I got I got really spooked a couple weeks ago, and I can't stop thinking about it. Um, oh, tell me. I, I don't want to, you know, go. T- uh, I'm not going to get us off track. I could talk for two hours about what I'm about to mention, but um, I mean, with when it comes to the paranormal. I rarely get spooked. I can watch hours of alien abduction and cattle mutilation videos and then fall asleep and sleep like a baby, you know? Okay, and I think, yeah. I think it's mainly because I, I don't really concern myself too much with whether or not any of these stories are true or false, but I'm only really interested in are they entertaining or not entertaining. Mm-hmm. But but I was looking into something earlier this month, and I, I really honestly got spooked. Um, so, I mean, I think I think we, we could all agree that the summer of 2023 is... The summer of UFOs. I mean, all the stuff we love, aliens, cryptids, ghosts. It's like Mm -hmm. there's been more news stories about UFOs than any of that other stuff this summer. There's been crazy legislation. The NASA UFO report came out. There's been congressional hearing. Um, And yet at the end of of the day, we really haven't learned anything new. I mean, it's always just the same story that we've heard for decade after decade yeah ufos and government warehouses somewhere really nothing new right right so there's looking back on this summer there was one thing that stuck out to me as something that i had never heard before and it was an it was a news article that got published in june by a, a journalist named michael schellenberger 
Okay. And he claims to have interviewed some of the same anonymous um, government contractors who gave a lot of UFO information to that Grush guy that testified in Congress. Okay, okay. And in the article, they're talking about what these UFOs look like, the ones that are supposedly in government warehouses or laboratories or whatever. Mm -hmm. And usually it's the same old stuff. You know, it's kind of a, a generic... I mean, all UFOs really are generic um, geometric shapes. Discs, triangles, boomerangs, cigars, spheres. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But there's one craft they describe. And the way they describe it, it's so... The words are so weird. The sentences are so weird that it was... Like, I was having trouble visualizing even what it looked like. All right. And so I was thinking, okay, you know, hey, uh, let's waste a Saturday evening and, like, go online and see if I can find any old UFO sightings that sound like a craft that matched what this description is. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. So I'm poking around, and this is where things start to get weird. Um, So let me turn the clock back really quickly. Mid-1990s, somebody sells a VHS tape to Paramount Studios that allegedly Mm -hmm. shows a UFO flying over restricted airspace in the Nellis Test Range in Nevada. Um, All right. It gets televised on a lot of Paramount shows like hard copy sightings i can remember it watching back in the day i've been familiar with this video my entire adult life i've seen it even on reruns on youtube earlier this year Mm -hmm. it's super fuzzy and honestly the only thing i've ever seen in this video is like it looks like a bunch of happy birthday balloons floating around in the sky honestly okay um so this is the mid 90s fast forward to 2002 may of 2002 there's this guy named martin j powell and he apparently watched this video a zillion times and he thinks he sees something in all this fuzziness he thinks he sees a shape and he makes a website about he he what he, the shape he thinks he sees and he draws a little mm-hmm. picture um and he puts this website up more than 20 years ago and as far as i can tell nobody took notice of it it didn't set the world on fire it just sat there the website's still there it's static basically it just hasn't been okay. updated or taken down and I don't want to say that, like, I'm the first person that made this connection because there's some other people out there talking about this. But uh, when I looked at this website, the drawing and the article from 2023, it's a dead match. It's a totally dead match. And it gave me the creepiest feeling I've ever had. Like, mm. I don't think, like, you know that part in Hellier Season 2 when there's that lady in the county jail and she writes an email to Greg and she uses the word euphonauts? Right. And everybody picks up on that and they're like, that's just too coincidental. And I, I can't remember if it was like, I think it was like Connor who said something like, like it made him angry because it like he couldn't ignore it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yes. Like that was the vibe I got. And hmm. the the picture, the drawing is super creepy. The, 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 the verbal description in the 2023 article is super creepy. The fact that what I was looking for what I was searching for is a video that I've known my entire life was creepy. The fact that I don't see the shape in the video is creepy. And the, the idea that somebody, like, let's say somebody was just making up this story in 2023 and pulling the leg of a journalist, you know? Right. Like, if you were saying you saw a UFO in a government warehouse, why wouldn't, it seems to me that if the lie would be more plausible if you just said it was a disc or a triangle or one of the, like, the really familiar shapes. Right, classic sportster model. Like, why would you choose this shape that apparently only exists in a 20-plus-year-old website? And it creeped me out, and I can't stop thinking about it. It's like when you Mm. have a computer, and it has this little program running in the background, and it's always running. Right. I just dropped a ton of money on some guy to make a STL file. 
Yeah, 3D printer file. Yeah, for a 3D print of this thing, because it's so weird, you know? Oh, boy, well, I know somebody who's got 3D printers. <laughs> anyway, so that's uh, that's what happened to me this month. So That's that's interesting. You know, you've shared some of that with me, and you've, you've shared kind of some of what this thing looks like on your social media as well. The weirdest thing about the UFO description, like, I don't know how to say it. It's almost like it has antlers. And it's almost like the phenomenon, like if the phenomenon wanted to show someone UFO, but it wanted to show it in such a way that nobody would believe the witness story, it's like, <laughs> give it a pair of antlers. Do you know what I mean? Like, how weird is that, right? I do. It is, it is, it is a very strange shape. It is kind of organic looking. Yeah. But it's, it's almost like multiple different shapes kind of shoved together. Totally. It is. It is very weird. So yeah, um, you're gonna get your 3D printed model here before <laughs> long, and show that off. Yeah, that, that's. I mean, that's spooky. I, I know that feeling that you described. Do you? Where yeah. It's, yeah, I do. I okay. do. Um, so I can totally relate to it. Mm. Where it's it just kind of keeps eating at you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I, I need to put some sort of rationale. Yeah. To this, I need to. I need to have some sort of closure yeah and i'm not getting that closure right now Mm -hmm. and that's what's pissing you off exactly oh anyway yeah i get that that's wild i i I hope we uh we get more of that (laughs) story and that adventure as we progress forward um so why don't we dive into things yeah well my oh you know what before we do that, mm. before we do that, mm. one, I just want to let everyone know Ooh. we are aware that the Night of the Living Geek site is down right now. Oh, yes. We are working to restore service there. Mm. Um, and John is working hard behind the scenes uh, with uh, his friends that he originally started the site with many, many years ago uh, to regain access and get stuff set up, which is why when you see our tweets and stuff, Um, you are seeing a link to our episode on Spotify. Mm. Um, So I will keep saying that, you know, links are in the show notes just with the hope that these show notes will be up before too long. Cool. Um, And also remember that at the first part of next year, I believe it is February of next year, Mm. um, we're doing a massive Mm rebranding. Changing up the name, new artwork, new T-shirts, new music, new everything. Same crazy guys. Yeah. same-ish format. We're going to move on from our um, uh, digging through the pages mm-hmm. um, and and get back into some like you know here's one big topic and we're gonna we're gonna dive into it per month kind of thing. In fact, I've already got an idea of what I'd like to do Ooh. for that first episode, um, which is actually one a story that I really wanted to talk about this month, being October mm. and being really really spooky. But it doesn't appear in a newsletter or anything, so I didn't want to break. Ah. Uh, with tradition and I, I just decided you know what this really needs an episode of its own because it's got it's got audio clips and everything which would be uh, nicely terrifying if you're listening to this late at night Ooh, I can't wait yeah so what I did pick is a story that I call John Jacob and the flying cucumber <laughs> I love it this one comes from the spring 1955 issue of flying saucer news um, there is also uh, some pretty good accounts of it on a uh, blog called The Saucers, The Time Forgot, mm. which is a fantastic name. I love that. Like I said, links in the show notes, uh, assuming we get show notes back soon. Um, if not, you can search both of those up and uh, probably find them pretty easily. 
<clears throat> so let me set the scene for you. It is September 2nd, 1954. We're in the town of Coldwater, Kansas. Oh. Uh, this is a town that in the 2020 census had all of 687 residents. Oh. Um, I did a little bit of digging. The 1950 census, there were only 1,208 people oh. in Coldwater. Um, and... Uh, Coldwater is kind of on the southern part of Kansas, almost not too, too far from the Oklahoma border. Mm. Um, it's not, I guess, and I've, I've kind of like looked on Google Maps and stuff because I'm like, isn't Kansas just flat? <laughs> like everywhere? I, it's not, apparently. There's, there's actually some terrain here. So, because that factors into the story. So bear with me. Um, on that day, September 2nd, 1954, young John Jacob Jingle High... Oh, wait, no, sorry. Swaim. 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 S-W-A-I-M. Swaim. John Jacob Swaim was running the tractor through his farmer's... Sorry, his father's field, hmm. who was a farmer, toward the end of the day. So the sun was setting. When, about 20 feet away, a little man with pointed ears and nose caught his attention. Ooh. I know, again two stories in a row now where we've got pointed ears and pointed nose yeah. he was sort of crouching looking at me john jacob said it was then that jj who as far as i know nobody called him that i'm just calling him that <laughs> noticed the little man's saucer partially hidden by a nearby terrace like i said apparently southern kansas near the oklahoma border isn't nearly as flat uh as the most of kansas is there's actually terrace farming out there which is something i'm used to seeing in like southeast asia yeah um but anyway <clears throat> the saucer is partially hidden by one of the terrorists hovering about five feet off the ground uh jj would later report to sheriff get this gloyd hadley <laughs> i swear this was a typo i'm like no it's got to be floyd the f and g keys are right next to each other yeah, on the keyboard right. no Confirmed. Lloyd. Lloyd, Lloyd Hadley. <laughs> not, not, not just Lloyd. Sheriff Lloyd. Vote for Lloyd. I love it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We need, we need vote for Lloyd buttons. <laughs> um, so John Jacob would later report to Sheriff Lloyd Hadley that the little man had a dark complexion mm. and wore clothes that were sort of shiny. The saucer was estimated to be about fifty feet across and a hundred yards away. Look at us Americans. Feet and yards. Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> the little man fled. And details, admittedly, are a little iffy here because of the excitement of the moment and, honestly, the memory of a 12-year-old boy. Uh, he thinks that the little man flew to the saucer. Apparently, he oh. had a couple of shiny cylinders on his back, so the boy is kind of interpreting that as kind of a jetpack. Okay. Um, but he also might have run to the saucer. Right. So in, in the recounting, that's not entirely clear. <clears throat> the saucer then took off awfully fast. <sighs> and when asked to compare the speed, the boy said that a jet would be like a turtle to the speed of the saucer. Oh, my gosh. OK. Um, and the way that this story is structured in this magazine we jump around here because young John Jacob raced home to get his father who questioned his son closely and then called the sheriff, mm. which we just were talking about telling the sheriff things. But now the sheriff's arriving on the story. I'm an editor by trade and I really <laughs> wanted to move things around, but then I wouldn't be staying true to how the story appears in flying saucer news. So bear with me. <clears throat> um, and his father later vouched for, uh, uh, john jacobs lack of telling tall tales mm. um 
Now, we have to give Sheriff Hadley some credit here because he took the case seriously enough to encourage the Swames to stay away from their own field while he investigated. Okay. Okay, for 1955, I'm going to call that pretty darn progressive. Mm. Now, in the field, he found multiple footprints. Hmm. Some of them were remarkably clear. Okay. Okay. Says Hadley, they were pear-shaped, about four and a half inches long, a little less than two inches across at the toes, and with the narrowest heels I ever saw. Those are tiny footprints. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Let's, let's give it a comparison. Your average compact disc yeah. is five inches across. Yeah. Right? So we're talking about a footprint smaller across than a CD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the prints weren't those of any animal. I know all the wild prints. Sheriff Hadley also noted that the footprints were deepest at the toes, as if whatever made them was definitely running. Hmm. But that uh, also whatever made them wasn't terribly heavy to begin with. Okay. Okay. Um, John Jacob says that he didn't really hear any noise as the saucer fled, partly because the tractor was making such a racket. Mm. Kids, shut your tractors off when you see the UFOs. <laughs> Come on. Uh, he described the little man as looking mean, but that he didn't carry any weapons. Mm. Uh, his hands looked just like ours, just smaller. Mm. Now, the one part that I personally find hilarious about the story is that JJ's younger brother, Robert, was a little jealous by his sighting, stating that John Jacob has all the luck. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, so... The uh, the blog, The Saucer's The Time for God, yeah. uh, refers to this as a flying cucumber case instead of calling it a saucer. Um, and and really, isn't a cucumber just kind of a cigar-shaped craft anyway? That's, that's what Freud thought. Yeah, for sure. It, <laughs> zing. Hey. Nicely done. Nay. Hey. Be her all week. Try the deal. Um, but this website is notable because it has copies of early newspaper articles about the case. And you know I am a fan of trying to find those earliest tales. Right, right. So this first one uh, comes from the Hutchison News Herald of September 15th, 1954. Okay. Right? Headline, Lad Spots Weird Little Man Who Takes Off in a Quote-Unquote Cucumber Ship. (laughs) Uh, cucumber ship. That was actually the original name of the uh, the Doors song, <laughs> and then they said, "Nah, you know that's not going to hit the same. Let's call it a crystal ship." Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Jacob Swaim, ten-year-old Comanche County farm boy, has created quite a stir in the southeast part of this county with the story of having seen a gnome-like man and a weird flying machine in a field on his father's farm. The story of the incident, which occurred several days ago, has just come to light. The boy, son of Mr. and Mrs. John Swain, because apparently it's the 1950s and women don't have their own names, <laughs> sticks by his story, which created as much excitement here as the Flying Saucer episodes of a few years ago. The boy was in a terraced field on his father's farm at dusk one night, so the story goes, when he noticed something peeking over one of the ridges at him. As he approached it, John said the object or individual moved behind to another ridge. You know, I'm going to destroy my voice trying to read this whole thing. <laughs> um... But, uh, so let me go to the description of the ship here. The machine hovered a while and then took off straight up and disappeared in the twinkling of an eye because it's the 1950s. Everything does things in a twinkling of the eye. Exactly. According to the boy's story, yeah, there were several lights on the cucumber ship. Hmm. Um, the boy, wide-eyed from excitement, was so positive in his account of what he saw, his parents called Sheriff Gloyd Hadley. <laughs> um... 
uh, the sheriff found queer-looking footprints around a circle, just as the boy had said. Hadley took impressions of the tracks. Now, taking impressions of the tracks, it seems to me that there may at least at one time have been, like, plaster casts Mm. of, you know, this little alien's footprints. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd love to... They probably don't exist anymore, but that would be really cool if they did. Yeah. Um, But wouldn't venture an observation as to how they were caused. Uh, He sent some of the prints to the and i'm having a little trouble reading this it looks like kbi um kb toys no not kb Uh. toys sorry prince to the kbi but at topeka director oh kansas bureau of investigation it's like the fbi sure sure i i'm sure that's a thing anywho um but the last thing, since we're talking about these footprints, the boy described the feet of the strange visitors resembling these special paddles deep-sea divers sometimes attach to their feet, or as we in the future like to call them, <laughs> flippers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's funny. You just had to fill the last of that column, didn't you, <laughs> Mr. Reporter Man? Um, yeah. Now, the uh, the Lincoln Star from September 24th, 1954, mm. has probably the most detailed uh, description of the footprints, mm. <clears throat> which the, 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 head, the headline of the article has the less exciting footprints found at Saucer Scene. Mm. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, now, this article incorrectly calls him Floyd Hadley. Oh. Um. So, yeah, Hadley, Hadley said he and the Swames went uh, to the scene, found the footprints, which Hadley described as pear-shaped, right? Why did the toe tapering to an extremely narrow heel? Um, I, I picture it kind of almost teardrop-shaped yeah. in a way in my head. Um, Hadley said the print seemed to have been made by a soft shoe. Hmm. Um, probably not a soft shoe dance. <laughs> Point that out there. Uh, the sheriff said shadows could have played tricks on the boy, but no one will ever convince John Jacob or his parents that he didn't see something. Mm. Dun, yeah. Dun, dun. So when I take a story like this, and I'll be honest, I I mean, I read a bunch of stories mm-hmm. this month trying to find one that really kind of clicked with me. And this is this is the closest one. Um, and it's not super duper remarkable although i i do kind of find the comparisons between um the kind of almost elf and gnome like features of this month yeah. compared to last month kind of interesting mm-hmm. pardon me as i wet my whistle but as always <clears throat> i then go to okay what can i prove hmm. and one of the first things i always try to prove is were these people real right um especially when you've got you know john jacob swaim not Swain, Swaim with an M, and Gladly, Gloyd Hadley. Gladly. <laughs> Gladly, yes. Let's just shorten his whole name. His name is Gladly. Wow. I love it. You'd, you'd think I was on cold medicine. Uh, I swear. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, sure enough, you do a little big, bit of digging around, and John B. Swaim, who is the father in this story, was born in 1910, died in 1971. Mm. Uh, his wife, who is not just Mrs. John Swain, is actually Mrs. Ethel Swain. Ethel! Ethel. Uh, she lived from 1913 to 1982. Um, pretty much pretty much all the characters in this story, outside of the alien himself, um, are all um, 
are all buried at the Crown Hill Cemetery oh. in Coldwater, Kansas. Okay. Uh, so if you ever find yourself in that area, you can go uh, uh, pay tribute uh, to them. Um, now, John Jacob Swaim, who was, uh, let's see, 12 in, what's this, 1954, um, he apparently got married in 1965. Okay. Um, now, I, I found a link to it, but it was one of those ones where it's like, hey, you want to see this whole article? You better sign up for it. And yeah. I was just like, mm, no, sorry. Um, but doing a little bit of digging around, he does appear to still be alive and living in the great state really? of Texas. Okay. Yeah, age 81 right now. Oh, wow. um, I didn't see anything to indicate that he had passed. Um, now, of course, I couldn't pass up the chance to prove that Gloyd Hadley. <laughs> um, you know, because when you first read a name like that, you're like, okay, there's no way that this person is real. Like, Gloyd? <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, not, not to besmirch his name was very much real. He lived until 1983. Mm, Uh, and, and like I said, is buried along with many other people from this story in the Crown Hill Cemetery of Coldwater, Kansas. So his name really was Gloyd. His real God given name is Gloyd Hadley. In fact, I feel like I came across an article that actually had his middle name in there, but I did not write it down. Oh my gosh. Um, probably because it wasn't anything like bonkers crazy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, I, you know, like I said, I, I, I marvel at the connection between the, the, the features, mm-hmm. although this one was much more dark complexioned and, mm-hmm. and our creatures in uh, the Tom Dawson story from last month, they were just like AP flower white. Mm, that's right. Um, so when I hear these tales of like having a dark complexion, I think of, um, you know, uh, uh, entities that kind of present themselves as the men in black. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, there's none that, <clears throat> and I hate to use the term, are quote unquote, you know, given oriental features mm. uh, in terms of this story. Um, so it may have just been, I mean, these, these may have been almost more like the, um, oh, I feel like I think of the, um, space pancakes right. story. I don't know why I can't remember his name at the moment. Yeah. Um, but I feel like they were kind of described as almost Italian mm, okay. looking. Um, yeah. but again, if you've got, you know, uh, a, a footprint, that's four and a half inches long and about two inches across the toes. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be very big. And this, this indication that oh, hear me out, no, hear no, me no, out no, because yeah. I'm going, I'm going in this kind of like Hopkins, Hopkinsville, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, you know, we get these three to four foot tall aliens, these three to four foot tall creatures. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I Hopkinsville comes to mind just because of its notoriety that, mm-hmm. that, um, some of these creatures were reported as floating to the ground. That's true. That's true. Um, and so now here we have um, a creature who seems of similar stature mm-hmm. uh, height-wise, um, who admittedly can move very fast, um, but doesn't appear to weigh very much. And in both instances, you have creatures with, I guess, visible ears. I mean, a lot of UFO you know, mm, the aliens mm-hmm. don't seem to really have mm-hmm. visible ears, so that's another li- link there. Yeah, yeah. no, that's 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 a very good point because I remember you even asking of how many how many cases do we have where you know we've got 
pointed ears. Right, right. So here here we add one to that list. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting one. Yeah, good story. I like it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right, dude, hit me with yours because we're we're <laughs> keep we're keeping with the we're, foot we're, theme. We're keeping with the theme. Definitely. <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to be talking about the, I'm, the title I gave my story tonight. I'm calling it Barefoot's Footprints and the uh, it it appeared originally in Pursuit magazine published by the Society for the Investigation of the Unexplained. Um, This is their spring 1977 issue, volume 10, number 2. It appeared in that publication under the title A Few Small Steps on the Earth, A Tiny Leap for Mankind, and the author was Fred H. Bost, or Bost, B-O-S-T. Okay. So here we go. A little man not much bigger than a Coke bottle... (laughs) But, oh, that's really <laughs> that's, short in stature. That's pretty small. Okay. Not much bigger than a Coke bottle was reportedly sighted on two occasions last October in the area of Dunn, D-U-N-N, Dunn, mm-hmm. North Carolina, and doubters are hard-pressed to explain away the footprints found at the scene of the sightings. So another story with footprints. As the managing editor of the Daily Record newspaper in Dunn, I, Fred Bost, I paid attention to a tip that an eight-year-old boy had spotted a little man in a cornfield. But two days later, after hearing reports that the footprints were drawing curious residents to the scene, I decided to investigate. At the cornfield, I found a half-dozen curious persons studying two sets of tracks, separated by about 150 yards. Okay. The first set, I was told, marked the spot where the boy had seen the little man on Tuesday, October 12th, 1976. Hey, look, we finally have a story that happened in the month we're recording. This is true. It is an, That's o- fantastic. an October story. Wow. <clears throat> the second set was found two days later by an adult who was helping the boy search for further signs of the little visitor. The tracks were definitely those of little boots. Cleat marks were easily discernible. I failed to count the number in the first set, but there were 14 in the second set, which was clearer than the first. Individual prints were two and one quarter inches long and about one inch wide at the broadest point. Wow. Talk about small feet. Yeah, that is half the size of the ones in my story. Yeah, I've got got JJ beat. Oh, by a couple inches. Yeah. Look at that. Um, As I started photographing them, and there's photographs of these you know, footprints in the article, which is kind of fun. Oh, nice. So uh, uh, if you get a chance, check out the show notes. Um, As I started photographing them, my mind automatically cataloged them as prints made by a doll's boots. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. The boy who found the prince. Oh, here we go. This is why I chose this story. The boy who found the prince was named Tonley Barefoot. So I'm going to hit the pause button for a second. I'm going to spell this out. Tonley, I've never heard of a first name like this before. It's spelled yeah, no kidding. T O N N L I E, and then the last name is Barefoot, just like it's spelled B A R E F O O T. And I gotta tell you, when I heard this name, like it was like the cutest name I had ever heard. Like the the picture I have in my head is that like that that little toe headed kid from the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, like just oh, good heavens. running all around. <laughs> yes. You know, it was just like <clears throat> oh, it was just so good. Anyway. So Tom Lee, barefoot. So he was a third grade student uh, at the Mary Stewart Elementary School. I phoned his mother, Mrs. Roland Barefoot. Again, a wife that is <laughs> unnamed except for 
Freya, her husband, this mm-hmm. is Roland Barefoot, who told me of Tonley's encounter with the little man. It was her habit, she said, to pick Tonley up from school and to take him to the field near their home, where he would play amongst the dried corn stalks while she picked peas from the family garden. I mean, how more, can you get any more Norman Rock, Rockwell than that? I mean, it's just, I don't know. I love it. Kind of, yeah. It was close to 5 p.m., she said, when he came running up to her excitedly and begged her to come look that he had just seen a little man not bigger than a Coke bottle. Jeez, that's small. Mrs. Barefoot said she paid little attention to her son and sent him back to play. Again, he came back to her, this time to tell her that he had found the little man's footprints. When she still wouldn't pay attention to him, and when the rest of the family ridiculed him at home, he began crying. The next morning, Mrs. Barefoot was forced to promise to look at the footprints in order to get Tonley to stop crying. After school was out that Wednesday afternoon, she saw the footprints. I know my son Tonley. He's telling the truth, Mrs. Barefoot said. Her husband agreed and told of plans to hunt for the little man. That afternoon, with the family's permission, I interviewed Tonley at his school with the aid of the school principal, Mrs. Jenny Brooks. The session could probably be better described as a mild interrogation. Yikes. Tonley said he was playing with his toy shovel in the dirt when he looked up and saw the little man watching him with an open mouth. The little fellow wore black boots, blue trousers, and a blue top made of shiny stuff. Again, there's shiny material. Shiny material. And a black German-type hat. Oh, yikes. With something that looked like crossed rifles on it and, quote, the prettiest little white tie you ever saw, unquote. But this (laughs) is the most bizarre action figure I have ever... I know, right? Heard of. Uh, the boy said that the little man seemed to have been reaching for something in a back pocket, but instead froze for a moment, <laughs> then let out a little squeal like a mouse and ran, disappearing amongst the corn stalks. I, you know, Seb, I have to interrupt because I am reminded of a certain something from our childhood. Oh. Because here come the little. Oh, I know. It's this, this is totally like, yeah, it's. I don't know if it's gra- who we're talking about here, Grandpa or, um, but it's yeah, it's one of the littles for sure. <laughs> we can't remember any of their names, just Grandpa. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? That's okay. Oh, That's just, okay. Oh, yeah, what a show. I'm old. Anyway, anyway, go ahead. All right, yeah. Uh, so was it fast? I asked. Faster than me, he replied. From a picture Chanley drew for me, we discovered that the little man also had a mustache. <laughs> Principal <laughs> Brooks helped me to help me try to tactfully find a hole in Tonley's story, but the child came across as sincere and honest about it, what he thinks he saw. The only doll that Tonley owned was a G.I. Joe doll, which has a foot too small to have made the prints in the field. Okay, so that's worth noting, mm. because G.I. Joe dolls of this era were the large 12-inch tall. Mm-hmm. Not the, like, the three, like, th- I think it was three and a quarter inch. Yeah, the real American ones Hero line. that we grew up on. Like, like, 80, 81. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, these were the old style ones. Yeah. So if you're picturing this at home. Yeah. Um, and it said, this is, uh, I started checking toy stores for a doll that would fit the pattern. In the meantime, other media had picked up the story. <laughs> Most of the major newspapers in the area ran it. Tonley was interviewed by the news section of WRAL TV in Raleigh. Okay, that, you know, this is where like the story just gets amazing because it's like, here's this kid telling the story, and you know the news, the local news news reporter or news editor like goes and interviews him. But before you know it, like all the other TV, like the newspapers, and like he ends up on TV about this. And I'm just like, and I, gosh, if somebody out there in 
podcast land knows of any of this footage, like on YouTube or something, gosh, please let me know. Cause I, oh, that would be fantastic. I would love to see it. The city of Dunn only boasts about 10,000 residents. Uh, compared to Coldwater, that's a metropolis. Like, gee whiz. Um, it's a small place nestled in the northeast section of a little tobacco county called Harnett. Dunn sits astride Interstate, Interstate 95, and the city's only apparent claim to fame is being halfway between New York and the Florida beaches that vacationing New Yorkers use the highway to reach. But this story had the little city buzzing. This was the climate in town when the second sighting of a little man was made. Our police monitor radio on Monday morning, October 25th, picked up a call from the dispatcher to a patrolman to investigate a claim of a second sighting. Jeez. I was tied up on another matter and did not reach the address until after the patrolman had departed. Shirley Ann McCrimmon, 20, um, of 809 East Harnett Street, told me her story at about 11.30 a.m. She said that she was coming home from an all-night party just before daybreak. She left her front door open to give her some light until she could find the switch inside. As she turned on the light, she heard a noise outside, something like a small animal moving around. When she looked out, a small man was staring back at her. Ugh. She was frightened but also curious, so she watched the little man for several minutes in the growing light. When nothing happened, she grew bolder and moved. At that, the little man shined a tiny, quote, very bright yellow light, unquote, across her eyes. She screamed, and a little man zipped away, she said. Miss McCrimmon said that as the little creature disappeared around the west side of her house towards the back, the dogs in the rear yard next door started barking. Her immediate recollection of it, she said, was that the little man was wearing some kind of thin garment. After she thought about it, though, she said that he might have been naked. If so, his skin was light brown, she said. She insisted that the little man wore no hat, but did wear boots. Her immediate reaction to the scare was to run in the opposite direction of the little man to her mother's house next door. She woke her mother, but her mother swore she must be drunk. (laughs) She then went to the house of Mrs. Corrine Smith, another neighbor. Uh, Here she was told that if she really did see something, to keep it quiet or the police would throw you in the loony bin. Oh, boy. Thanks. She accepted that advice for as long as she could, she said. But she went to her aunt's house down the street and called the police. Um, and then it, uh, so the story goes on, basically. Um, they talk about how, uh, she tried to, uh, cover up the footprints with a plastic container, um, but her baby son, trying to be helpful, dragged the container across the ground. Whatever prints that may have been there were obliterated. Aww. Um... The strange part about the footprints uh, that did survive was that they led nowhere in any of the locations where they were found. The ground was soft in both areas of the cornfield, yet in both cases the footprints ended abruptly. Hmm. Since then I have looked at dolls in stores whenever the opportunity arose, trying to find a doll's boot that would fit the dimensions of the footprints. My search has been unsuccessful. Could the appearance of the little man not bigger than a Coke bottle be linked somehow to the strange orange light which appeared in the sky the night before Tonley Barefoot's sighting of the little man. Miss Debbie Godwin of Dunn joked about seeing her first Yoho that Tuesday morning. No one else, however, reported seeing that strange light in the sky. Or perhaps the appearance of the little man is somehow connected to an incident which reportedly occurred in Cleveland, Ohio earlier last year. Hmm. After reading our stories on Dunn's little man, a woman came into the office to purchase copies of each of the respective issues of the newspaper to send to friends in Cleveland because, she said, our friends will enjoy reading about it. 
It seemed the last letter which the woman had received from her Ohio friends contained an offhand remark about a woman in the neighborhood who had suddenly started talking strangely, insisting to everyone she had seen a very small, very little man. Could it possibly have been the little man not much bigger than a Coke bottle? Dun, dun, dun. Hmm. Wow. So, wow. So, yeah, I mean, you and I, we were kind of going along same, the same kind of uh, investigative path here because basically I really wanted to learn more about Tonley. Was he a real dude? Um, would anybody have such a crazy name? Um, and I actually found him. Um, tragically, I found him in the form of an obituary. He died yeah. way too young at the age of 47 in Dunn in de- December 2015. Um, his actual name was William Tonley Barefoot. And whereas the uh, the um, the article uh, that forms tonight's episode it has the name spelled as T O N N L I E, uh, it's really T O N I L E E. So yeah, Tonally maybe. I'm not Ta- sure. Yeah, it it I would pronounce it Tonally. Tonally, right? Um, born in 1968, as I said, died in 2015. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, it's 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 um it's sad to know that that he's no no longer with us. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny, as as you were telling this story, I was like, this name is so weird, you yeah. know, I need to, uh, I need to just look uh, online really quickly, because yeah. um, I hadn't gone all the way through your notes, I kind of like hearing it mm-hmm. uh, live, and I actually came across a website called BehindTheName.com, oh. um, and I guess that they, they have message boards being like oh you know i heard this name somewhere or i read this name in a book and i want to know more about it mm-hmm. um and uh somebody made a post I've, I've just read a book about unexplained disappearances in it i found two names that i'd like to know more about um and uh one of them is uh tonley oh and so uh you know people chime in having done some googling and stuff um and somebody goes oh well yeah I, you know i was doing some poking around and you know there's a there's a william barefoot hmm. on uh facebook hmm. and maybe this is the person you're talking about and then um uh his wife chimes in my name is melinda barefoot i'm the widow of the late william uh now she even spells it Tonley, T-O-N-N-L-I-E, barefoot, who passed away on December 4th, 2015, at the age of 47. Um, He lived in Dunn. I know the story or what I've been told by him of the history behind his name. His father was in the military during World War II and was stationed overseas. He had a close buddy that, from what I understood, was named Ton, T-O-N-N, Lee. Oh. And he named his youngest after him. Wow, that's crazy. You have found more out researching this case in five minutes than I have all month. This is great. <laughs> I'm really this. This is amazing. Jeez. Well, and then and then another person uh, chimes in who who uses the name Zelda and says, "This is my uncle William Tonley." Again, T O N N L I E yeah. barefoot. Yeah. Uh, and then feel free to email me and, and gives the email address. Holy um, cats! So yeah. It's I I have to wonder if maybe the the find a grave site uh, actually has the spelling incorrect. I'm not sure. I'm almost tempted to like email them and be like, "Hey, have you ever heard about this Coke bottle man?" <laughs> you know. Well, it definitely. I mean, it it obviously seems as though uh, uh, his wife had. Yeah. Um, 
you know, niece, I can only imagine probably has, mm-hmm. but you know, um, I leave that to, to you to figure out. Yeah. Wow. Or Jeez. to decide to, uh, to email. Um, yeah. Interesting. And, and, you know, sad that he died so young. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, I was really, um, this picture painted so many pictures in my head at the story. Mm-hmm. Painted so many pictures in my head, I mean, the beautiful sounding name, the kind of, you know, utopian rural setting, um, I like the fact that there was, I guess you could say a second witness, so to speak, although, uh, you know, apparently, you know, he had taken off that pretty white tie and he's naked by this point, the little man. <laughs> um, it's been a long day for him. Yeah. Slight suggestion of maybe a UFO sighting around the same time in the same place. So it makes you wonder. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a funky, funky story. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, it could be something as simple as a nine-year-old who's not getting enough attention and gets some sort of little doll and makes a whole bunch of footprints in the cornfield and, Mm -hmm, you know, gets mm -hmm. a lot of attention. But at the same time, I mean, apparently, you know, the local newspapers and the TV station just, you know, fell all over the story, basically. Yeah. uh, Which is kind of fun. Um, But uh, I don't know. That kind of added to the charm a little bit for me, kind of small-town America like that, you know? For Um, sure. But yeah, I think we've. Uh, it's interesting how kind of our, our both of our stories kind of took us down similar uh, paths this evening, which is kind of fun. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be referring to this as you know the the footprints episode. Yeah, I mean your guy, your little man, like the cucumber dude. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's technically what we should call him. We should probably call him something else. But for lack of a better <laughs> name, cucumber dude. Um, it's interesting because at one point. You know, they talk about him with a kind of like a jetpack kind of situation, yeah. Kind of flown around, and whereas my like German Coke bottle guy, which I guess that would be Fanta, you know, if you're. I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah. Fanta dude, like no jetpack, but at some point, you know, according to the article, the the footprints kind of stop abruptly, so you mm-hmm. get the sensation there is some sort of. You know, high high strangeness, or at the very least, like levitation happening, basically. You know, sure, or portals, or something. Something, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Definitely. Well, I mean, we are two for two with uh, uh, foot fixations. <laughs> this is our this month. This is our foot episode. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It is. It is. Our, our, I'm I'm going to focus on Foot Clan rather than Foot Fetish. Right. Right. Um, who knows where the descent into the archives is going to take us, but every month Seb is going to dig into the old-timey newspaper archives to unearth an aura story of high strangeness. Um, Seb, what's your shoe size? I mean, uh, what do we have this month? Whoa. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have an article from the Press Democrat newspaper of June seventh, 1959, entitled, Winged Cat Succumbs. So this is a article... Uh, Headline, Dateline, Pineville, West Virginia. The freak cat with wings found by a 15-year-old high school boy in the woods near his southern West Virginia home this week has died. No, it's died. The animal, which had been viewed by more than 2,000 curiosity seekers this in this past week, was found dead in its cage this morning. The cat with wings six inches in length and a squirrel-like tail was found dead by Douglas Shelton, when he went to feed the animal, which he caught in the, in the woods on Tuesday. The boy's mother, Mrs. Coy Shelton, said that the animal, uh, which had the characteristics of a Persian cat, probably died of excessive handling. Well, I mean, 
You're probably not wrong. The female animal appeared on a television show in Oak Hill, West Virginia, and was to have uh, been taken to New York for another appearance Monday. So, gee whiz, you know, if, if anything, this is, this is, you know, don't kill the goose that laid the golden egg. If you find a cat with wings growing out of its back, don't handle it excessively to the point where it'll die. You know, wait till it, you know, you get more TV coverage, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and a squirrel tail. And a squirrel tail, right. I, I, I feel like there is some, I don't know, some sideshow just waiting to have, like, its Fiji mermaid moment. Oh, well, yeah. And then that's the other thing, too. It's like, I mean, <clears throat> let's see, what was this? This is 1959, did I say? 1959. Yeah. So uh, apparently it showed up on a TV show in Oak Hill, West Virginia. So who knows if any old TV footage from West Virginia from oh, the 1950s still exists boy, anymore. But yeah, probably not, but you never know. You think you would at least, like, taxidermy it? You know what I mean? You'd think. You would think. But, um, yeah, that was a really... I stumbled upon <clears throat> that article, and I was just like, what? Because um, it's weird, but it's sad, too, you know? Yeah, that that is a, a properly strange one. Uh, and, you know, hey, with the, the recent passing of Bob Barker, don't forget to get your winged cats, spayed or neutered. Here, here. <laughs> oh, Bob. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Well, wow. I think well, we, I think we've learned something here tonight. We had a couple laughs. We did some good work. We've learned about you know people with tiny feet, cats, yes. with, cats with big wings. Um, yes. Yeah. Gee whiz. Yeah. I guess it's better than people with tiny wings and cats with big feet. Oh, good God! Now I'm getting spooked again. There you go. Ugh. There you go. Well, anyway, that is it for this month. Happy Halloween, too. Let's just say that yeah. while we're here, it's October. Uh, finally getting into some fall. Let's please have some fall weather come with it. Uh, thanks for joining us on this adventure into the weirdness that surrounds us every day, no matter how small your feet might be. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at All Night Geeks. You can follow me at BusBuddha71. And you can follow Seb at Clan McMuffin. Oh, yes. Egg McMuffin or, or cheese or sausage McMuffin preference which you oh i usually get the sausage mcmuffin with egg there you go yeah there you go Mm. i can dig it um hey you know what subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts whether it's apple stitcher spotify you know um anywhere and everywhere Mm. and be sure to rate and review us as well and just as importantly please hey share us with your friends word of mouth goes a long way to spread the love around and we would appreciate it Mm -hmm. if you tell at least one friend about the podcast or two of your enemies just confuse the hell out of them (laughs) write our podcast name on the back of the snickers bars that you give out oh wow and no i don't know i don't know uh, we want to, as always, give huge thanks to the Ghoulies for letting us use Hot Rods from Outer Space from their album Midnight in America as our intro and outro music. Please go give them a follow over on the socials and hit up theghouliesdenver.bandcamp.com to buy their music. Uh, we've got merch, and we've got new merch coming. That's over at shop.spreadshirt.com slash N-O-T-L-G. In fact, I think they've changed that URL recently. Mm. Um, but this one will still get you there. I'm going to have to make sure to get the new one on there for next month. That's right. Shirts, buttons, stickers, mugs, probably. Then go check that out. And thanks, as always, to Kate the Steam Powered Mouse for doing the show's artwork. Um, if you want to throw a few bones our way to help keep the hosting going... Uh, we would appreciate that, and you can do that over at patreon.com slash N-O-T-L-G. Alrighty, well, that is it for this spooky month. Time to head toward the next big holiday. We will catch you next month, and in the meantime, get out and find something weird. 
Floyd Knight. Floyd Knight. Finally, have a story that happened in the month we're recording. This is true. It is a that's, that's fantastic. An October story. Wow.